right, Jesus, we celebrate that power. We celebrate the power that is within us, Holy Spirit. Father, the Spirit you gave us when we believed and we professed with our mouth and believed in our hearts that you were Lord and that, Jesus, you rose from the grave. What a promise. Help us to walk in that power. Help us to believe. Help us to live out in that power, Jesus. Speak to our hearts through your word today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Rick has to carry the pulpit today because he pushed me out the boat Friday, <laughs> and I'm hurting. I am hurting all over. I'm scratched up from head to toe. I was walking the back, and he kicked me like that. And he acts like he's so mild-mannered, but he's mean. He's a horrible human being right there. Now I fell by myself again. Eric, you mind? I didn't get permission, but can I share about what the Lord's doing? Come stand with me. Come stand with me. Eric goes, what's he going to do? How's he going to do it? Why is he calling on me? This is my friend, Eric. Welcome, Eric. So I'll ask you questions. Is that easier? Sure. All right. Did the Lord tell now, Where do you work? Amazon. He works at the big Amazon warehouse, right? Mm -hmm. Did the Lord tell you to start praying before you work every day? Yes. And you started praying? And then someone came and said, can I pray with you? Yes. And they did. How many pray with you now before work? 145. 145. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 145. And that's just what, three months worth? <laughs> Eric, one guy. Lord told him to do something. He did it. And 145 people are praying with him. So you're the missionary to Amazon. <laughs> Jeff Bezos didn't see that coming, did he? Eric's the man. Isn't that something? One simple act of obedience is often all that's required. Just one guy one special guy like Eric willing to say yes. Just did it. Simple as that. And the Lord blessed it. Thank you for letting me bring you up and mess with you. He's an army guy, so you might get me before this is over today, so be careful. All right, our next verse in Matthew chapter 7. This is fun to me. I, I like this verse. It's interesting how this verse is where it's at in the Bible. It's interesting about this verse. It's interesting what surrounds this verse. Hope you get as interested in it as I am. Jesus said, so whatever. That's everything, isn't it? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. So whatever you wish, whatever you want, whatever you wish, whatever you would like to see happen, the way that you want other people to treat you, that's how you treat them. This is called the golden rule. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So do you mean to say that if I treat other people the way that I want to be treated, then I'm going to fulfill all the law and all the prophets said? Absolutely. How do I know that? Because that's what Jesus says. 
Jesus says that if we treat other people the way that we want to be treated, we fulfill all that's said in the Scripture. We're going to do that. Now, let's look over in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. They were upset with Jesus about healing people on the Sabbath. They were, the Jews, that is, were upset with him about his teaching on the resurrection and all different kind of things. And so they send a lawyer. <laughs> they send the lawyer. But when the Pharisees, this is verse 34 of chapter 22. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, the Sadducees are the lawyers. Okay? They gathered together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, most likely, their focus at this time is those 10 big ones, the big 10, the big 10 commandments. Now, I say that because in the, in the Old Testament, there's lots of laws. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, depending upon a couple different ones, there's 613 laws in the Old Testament. That's a lot of laws. And so they come to Jesus to test him. They want to trap him. They, they want to have something they can they can indict him with. And they say to him, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He says, This is the great and first commandment. Now, keep that in mind. This will be fun, I think. It's, I don't think we have the scriptures because it just popped in my head. But Exodus chapter 20 this will be interesting to think about. Moses' Ten Commandments, Moses' Big Ten. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Okay? So how did, in that vertical part of the commandment, so there's vertical parts, our relationship with God, and then there are horizontal Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against one another. You shall not covet your neighbor's pickup truck. You shall not do that. And so uh, the first ones here are about our vertical relationship with God. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then love your neighbor as yourself is what Jesus said. And Moses said the exact same thing. But he said it with a little different perspective, a little different angle. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image. You shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. So you see, we love God when we have no other gods before him. That's called idolatry, and we are to love God only. We are not to love many gods. We are not to be like the Hindu and have 450-some-odd gods in their life and just add Jesus to the mix. You shall not make yourself a carved image. We do not worship idols. We do not worship statues. That's, that's idolatry, and we are not to take the name of the Lord in vain. We are not to, to, to have contempt for God. We are not to take his name, his character lightly. We are to love him. And so it's really kind of interesting here that Jesus takes the positive perspective here and not the negative. It's not thou shall not, it's thou shall. Now, I don't know if these Pharisees could handle that or not. I reckon for some of these old boys, that was the first time 
they had ever heard the commandments spoken like that. So, you shall not have any other gods. Jesus says that the greatest of all the commandments are those first three commandments, by the way. He said, number one, no other gods, no idol, no image, that you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. He says it this way, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, if you're loving him with all your heart, you don't have other gods. If you love him with all your heart, you're not uh, carving something else to worship. You love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So all of you, your entire being loves God. That's what Jesus says. It's positive. It's positive. And if you think about 613 commands, it's simple. That's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And then he says, this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That, that, that phrase, as yourself, sometimes gets us in a twist. It gets us a knot. You shall love your neighbor yourself. We know that we're not to be narcissistic and love ourselves. But what Jesus is saying here is that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. All right. So let's discover how we can love our neighbor as ourself. Because that's what Jesus is talking about in the golden rule. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, he doesn't tell us what not to do. He tells us what to do. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Jesus' version is positive. Jesus wasn't the first to say this. Others have said it. The Hindus have said it. The Hindus taught, this is the sum of duty. Do not to others, which if done to thee, would cause thee pain. The Buddhists came along a little after Jesus and said, hurt not others with that which pains yourself. The Muslims came along a little longer later and said, no one of you is a believer until he desires for his brother that which he desires for himself. Pretty close. Reckon they barred from Jesus? Most likely. The Baha'i teaches, he should not wish for others that which he doth not wish for himself, nor promise that which he doth not fulfill. The Greek said, Greeks a little bit before Christ, do not that to thy neighbor that thou wouldst not suffer from him, and do not do to others what angers you if done to you by others. You see, each of those, even Confucius, what do you not want others to do to you? Do not do it to others. Confucius is a little more simpler, but he's still in the negative. The Hebrew, Rabbi Hillel, he's the one that came up with this before Christ, okay? Famous rabbi. Here's what he said. What is hateful to you, do not to your fellow men. That is the entire law. All the rest is commentary. So these scribes had heard this statement. They had heard it.
but not quite like this. Not in the positive. That makes a big difference, I think, when you consider what Jesus came to do. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. He didn't come to, to, to correct the law. He came to make it clear, and that's important. You see, it was always simple. Salvation was always by faith alone in God. Faith alone in the coming of Christ, the coming of the Messiah. So in the Old Testament times, if you were with Isaiah, 700 years for Christ, what he taught was he is faith in God's provision of atonement. Faith, our, our salvation is based on faith in God's gift of atonement, which is Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He was made right. We are made right by our faith in Christ, all right? The Old Testament was always simple when it came to salvation, but they had made it so complex. The rabbis had made it complex. It was twisted. It was, it was turned around. And the law was given to us to simply show us that we are in need of a Savior. But Jesus gave it a positive spin. I like that positive spin. Instead of don't look at the bad in other people and not do that to people. Instead, look at the good in other people and, and look at the good in you and treat other people the way that you want to be treated. And so you've got to think about that a little bit. Now, the golden rule is not for those seeking salvation, but for those that are already experiencing salvation. They have been saved, they are being saved, they will be saved, which is probably the best way of looking at salvation. Have been saved, is being saved, and will be saved, all right? Today in our world, if you talk to the man on the street, the lady on the street, and ask, what does salvation mean to you? Well, I think salvation is that I treat other people okay. I treat other people well. Now, what does that mean? Have you always treated people well? Well, of course not, but you know, the truth of the matter is, I know people, I know people go to church. I know people that profess a Christianity, a Catholicism, uh, uh, that profess to be Jews, that profess to be Pentecostals, the Presbyterians. And frankly, I'm just as good as some of those people. And I treat people in some ways, perhaps even better than they do. And so that's the idea of their salvation. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. But the golden rule is not for those seeking salvation. The golden rule is for those that have on their way to heaven. They're not looking to go to heaven. They're already going because we know that salvation is not keeping the golden rule. Keeping the golden rule is a result of salvation. Because we have faith in Christ, we do these good things. All right? Jesus simplified the relationship. Jesus, with treat other people the way you want to be treated, took that second of the great commandments, and, and he clar clarified it. It had gotten complex. It had gotten kind of washed in all the 613 laws of the day. He simplified it. I think that's an important value in understanding the Bible, understanding God, understanding the ways of the Lord. 
is it's simple. It's always simple. It might be hard. It might be challenging. It might be difficult. But when God speaks, it's always simple. It's always his word, his instruction, and our obedience. Matter of fact, if you find yourself between a rock and a hard place, you find yourself in a difficult decision, the simplest answer is likely to be the right answer. Now, William of Ockham was a 1300s British friar, and he's the old boy that came up with the idea that we know today of Occam's razor. Occam being the William of Occam. Here goes the Google. I can hear it going. You're going to check me out on that. Google is just being bombarded. We, no one has ever asked us who William of Occam was, but in Alito, Texas, all of a sudden, all these people hitting Google because you love to find the preacher not being right about something, and, and Google is happening anyway. Sorry. I just sense Google coming. Check it later. Occam is his name. Razor, the razor to shape the fluff off. Shape the extra off. Shape to shave off the unnecessary. And, and here's what he says. With any complex problems, now he was a theologian and a philosopher. Two good things. Now, he discovered that when it comes to spiritual decision-making, the simplest is always better. With any complex problems, the answer is usually the simplest. Here's what he said. Entities should not be multiplied beyond necessity. Are you in the business of multiplying things that are not necessary? You, you do that? You make things worse? Do you complicate matters? Do you make an ant out of a mohill or make a hill out of an ant hill? How does he say that? Make a hill out of something with an ant? <laughs> Do you do that? I don't know what that means, but it means something to somebody somewhere. Simpler explanations are more likely to be correct. Avoid unnecessary or improbable assumptions. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. What does it mean to be a Christian? Is it how you dress? No. Is it having tattoos? No. Is it not having tattoos? No. Is it going to church? No. Is it reading the Bible? No. Is it praying? No. Is it being baptized a certain way? No. Is it being baptized with somebody that says the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit? No. But you got to be baptized correctly, don't you? Well, of course. What is baptism correctly? Immersion. Does baptism save? No. Can you be sprinkled and go to heaven? Yes. Can you be poured on and go to heaven? Yes. Do you have to speak in tongues to go to heaven? No, it's a gift. No, it's a gift. Do you have to believe that everything in the Bible is just the way God wants it to be? No. Should you believe that everything in the Bible is the way it should be? Yes. But you don't have to believe it. You know why? Because none of those things have anything to do with salvation. Salvation is by faith alone in Jesus Christ. You love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. You go to church because you were born again. You serve God because you were born again. 
You get baptized because you were born again. It's called believer's baptism. They believed after salvation. You pray because of your relationship with God, not for a relationship with God. It's a very simple thing. All the periphery, Jesus came and says, wait a minute, boys, this is basically what's going on here. You, you just don't understand. You're lost in the jungle. You're lost in the forest. You're lost in all the complications. The laws have value. The Old Testament is really important. The Old Testament, all those laws, those 613 with the Big Ten, have a purpose, and they show us that none of us can keep them. None of us can keep all of them. And we really do need a Savior. That's why that teaches us. And so he simplified it. He clarified it for us. And if they would have just understood what in the world Jesus was about, how much better that makes your world. I mean, wouldn't it be miserable to have 613 laws that you've got to do perfectly in order to be right with God? We would be miserable. They were miserable. You know why I know they were miserable? Because Jesus says, my, my burden is not heavy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. If you are heavy laden, if you're broken, if you're wore out with this religion thing, come to me is what Jesus said. And they were absolutely wore out with religion. 613 laws. You're breaking 250 of them every day because you can't do them all. You're always upside down. You're never ahead. You're never even. You're never right with God because you're imperfect. Love other people the way you love yourself, right? Let's just take this scripture. So whatever you do, wish that others would, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. <clears throat> is there any honest people here today that have always accomplished this? Is there anyone here that has always treated other people the way you want to be treated? Anybody? No one? We're all honest, aren't we? Not one of us have done that. How many of y'all got mad at Walmart? How many of you have said something unkind at Target? How many of y'all have cussed Joe Biden on TV? He said that, never mind, I'm not going to do it. Right? How many of y'all like Jerry Jones and treat, if you met Jerry Jones, you would treat him well? I wouldn't. I'd kick that old man in the shins. I'm never going to see another Super Bowl. I hate him. He's wrong. He's evil. He's conniving. He's broken. And from Arkansas, God help us. From Arkansas, of all people. Why in the world they let somebody from Arkansas own the Dallas Cowboys? You see, I haven't kept that all the time. If I saw him, I probably would really struggle treating him the way I would want to be treated. We need a Savior. We need a Savior. So, the golden rule shouts loudly and clearly, we must have a Savior because we do not keep all the laws. 
Any of y'all never had another God? Anybody ever, anybody had an idol? Thank you. Anybody took the name of the Lord in vain? Anyone? Thank you. Thank you. A few honest people. You did? Can't imagine you did that. What'd you do? Any of y'all not honored the Sabbath? Any of y'all stole from anybody? Anybody stole anything? Thank you. We've got a couple thieves in here. Good. <laughs> Any of y'all ever covet something? Covet something, right? Any of y'all ever bear false witness? I mean, we need a Savior, don't we? Any of y'all commit adultery? Any of y'all commit adultery with your mind? Anybody not commit adultery with your mind? Anyone dead here today? Right? I mean, that shows us that we need a Savior. None of us are perfect. We all need a Savior. Every single one of us. We need a Savior. So think about the last time someone disagreed with you. Did you break this law? Think about the last time someone criticized you. Did you break this law? Think about the last time someone betrayed you. Did you keep this law? We need a Savior, don't we? We need a Savior. But there's something else in this that I think is really important to us. What would life be like for you if you did what you just said here? Now, Eric, Eric did what the Lord told him to do. And it's multiplied one times 145. That's multiplication. That's the way the Lord works. Imagine the 145, I want to say squared, but I'm not sure that's right. So I say 145 times itself or something like that. Multiplication process going on. I'm gonna, I, I'll, I'll get an email. I'll get a text message over that. You're so stupid. <laughs> Did you not listen to math? No, I did not listen to math. <laughs> did not, did not. But imagine if you love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind every single day. And every single day, it was your goal to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your goal to treat other people the way that you want to be treated. How would your day go? One day at a time. How would your life go? What would your attitude be like? What would your nature be like? What would your spirit be like? What, what would your perspective be like? Wouldn't that be something? I mean, Jesus is giving us a wonderful gift here. He's saying, if, if you want to make it through the 50s and 60s, that boring time of life, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor like you love yourself. It will change your world. So how does that work? I'm a farmer. What am I going to do? I'm going to take care of my crop every day. I'm going to feed the pigs, feed the chickens, and then I'm going to go and I'm going to plow. Some days I'm going to put out pesticide. Some days I'm going to pick. Some days I'm going to plant every single day. But everybody I relate with, when I go to the implement shop, when I go to the feed store, when I go to the sale barn, when I see people on the road, we, I love them. I love them. I love God and love people. And if I'm loving God, I want them to love God because how can you contain love? 
Because our, the, the love that God has for us that we give to others, it's way beyond our love for our husband or wife. And when, when you fell in love with your husband or wife, when you chose to love your husband or wife, you couldn't stay away from him. You couldn't stay away from her. You bought them things. You did things to them that you craved doing everything for them. And if we love God, we're going to be like that. And if we love people the way our love our, we love ourselves, we're going to think about how we want to be treated, and that's how we're going to treat other people. That's a great life. That, that's a, that's a $1,000 seminar right there. It'll cover lots of bases. It'll cover lots of headaches. It'll cover lots of problems in our lives. If you dread waking up, Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor yourself. If you dread going to work, love God with all your heart. So there's a mission. There's why you're there. Go there and do your job and do your job well because you're doing it because of Jesus Christ. But, but understand that your primary focus and your primary mission in life is to be to love God and love others. And that will change your day. That will change your perspective. That'll change your world. That'll change how you view problems. What are you going to do, Lee, about this problem? Well, I'm not real sure, but I know along the way I'm going to love God and love others. And I'm going to treat people the way I want to be treated. How do you want to be treated? How do you, you get, there's got to be some self-awareness in this. How do you want to be treated? I'll tell you how I want to be treated. I, I want to be listened to. I want to be respected. I want to be loved. I want to be forgiven. If someone has a grudge against me, I want them to come talk to me about it. That's what I want. And, and so I look at, if I have a grudge against somebody, I want to go talk to them about it. I very seldom let any issues of conflict last very long. Take care of it. Get on down the road with it. No, don't ever go to bed with things not all tied up the best you can. Right? I want things to be simple. I want things to be on the table. I don't want any shenanigan going on. I don't want any manipulation going on. I don't want to be worked. I don't want to be politicked. I, I want people to be real and genuine with me, and, and I want them to have what they need to have that they hear my response. I, I've had a few encounters, you know, when I tell them what I think, and they're Oh, that's it. That's it. Well, wait a minute. You tell me what you think. It's right for you to listen to what I have to say to the response. But you're wrong in your opinion. You're wrong in my opinion. I want people to be able to have a disagreement with me, and yet we're good. We good? We're good. You good? We're good. We good? We're good. Everybody good? Yeah, we're good. Why? Because we love each other. We love God, and we love each other. So, what did Jesus say here? Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. That's it. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and treat other people the way you want to be treated. That's religion. We got 2,000 pages to say those two simple things. Because we are really, we, we need it. We need all these other pieces of information to help us get to where we love God with everything. And we love other people. That's what Jesus wants. Let's pray.
Lord, thank you for this word today. I'm not quite sure, Lord, where you spoke to each person here, how you spoke to them. Not quite sure today, Lord, what anyone learned, what anybody thought about. I don't know how your spirit convicted anyone. I just trust that you did. I trust today, Lord, that someone's going to leave here and love you with all their heart, and they're going to love their neighbors themselves. And it very well could be, Lord, that today there's someone here that's really been struggling, and your spirit said to them, do that. Do that and see what happens. Try me in that. And it may be they may leave and just, they didn't like their job, and they're going to tolerate their job for a while. They're going to see how you're going to use them at their job, and then, Lord, you're going to do something special at their job. Maybe there's some conflicts at school. Maybe there's some conflicts in the business, Lord, and they've been kind of at a stalemate. But, Lord, as they begin to love you with all the heart and if they begin to, to treat other people the way they want to be treated, Lord, just doors begin to open. Walls begin to chip away. Could be, Lord, there's problems in families, you know. Struggling life has so many detours in it, so many difficulties. And, Lord, the answer can be as simple as loving you with all our heart and loving our neighbor's self. And when we begin to act on that, Lord, you begin to just plow up those difficult, rough, rocky fields. And, Lord, fruit begins to grow. Father, we pray that Jesus be glorified today, be lifted high. In his wonderful name we pray, amen. Ushers, please come forward.